Ukraine's EU accession talks get closer, as the European Commission advised EU member states to begin accession negotiations with Kyiv. You're listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine. Explaining Ukraine is a podcast by Ukraine World, an English-language website about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I am a Ukrainian philosopher, journalist and chief editor of Ukraine World. I am joined by my colleagues Anastasia Heresimchuk and Darya Sinhayevska, journalists and analysts at Ukraine World, to discuss key events in and around Ukraine for the last week. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Let me remind you that you can support our work at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We provide exclusive content for our patrons. You can also support our volunteer trips to the front lines at paypal ukraine.resistinggmail.com. You can find these links in the description of this episode. Hello, Dasha. It's already Friday, which means it's time to discuss key events in and around Ukraine. Could you introduce the topics we're going to touch upon in this episode? Hi, Nestor. Sure. So today we're going to cover the traditional overview on the frontline situation, along with Ukraine setting precedents in targeting enemy weaponry. And I'm very excited to announce that today we dwell on the European Commission recommendation to start negotiation process with Ukraine and not only. So Nestor, what do we have on the frontline for the current time being? We are keeping our eyes on the developments on the front lines, and the situation there is very dynamic. Um, it's it would wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that it changes every week, uh, but these changes are rather on tactical level, but not on the strategic. Uh, if characterized situation in general, uh, positional fights are taking place, so neither of the sides um, can. Um, move forward in a huge scale. And let's focus on focus on two directions. First, the left bank of Kherson Oblast. The armed forces of Ukraine managed to expand their bridgehead on the eastern bank of the Dnipro River. We are still talking about gradual advancements, uh, but it has a strategic importance. As of now, the efforts are focused on preparation for further actions on the left bank of the region. Uh, if um, read some posts from Russian military observers channels in social media, they are full of alarmist messages about Ukrainian armed forces transferring their armored vehicles to the left bank. And we can say that Ukrainian troops are increasing their presence there. Uh, it is premature to tell about possible results of our armed forces activities uh, in that sector. And it would be wrong to raise expectations. Uh, our military are professionally fulfilling their job and we can only wait and see the out- outcomes. Um, however, the military intelligence of Ukraine reported that the occupiers are mining critical infrastructure objects in the occupied parts of Kherson Oblast, which means that they might get ready for retreat. Uh, the second direction is Avdiivka. Uh, According to the Institute of the Study of War, the Russians are preparing for a new series of assaults in this sector, and uh, Ukrainian officials uh, express the similar opinion. 
stating that uh, the possible target of new storms uh, by Russians could be Avdivka, the Avdivka coke plant. Uh, so the hardest fights uh, on all the front lines, uh, among all the front uh, lines, among all the sectors, are exactly in Avdivka direction. And uh, even though Ukrainian forces have a strong foothold in the city itself, and uh, the city has a layered defense. Russians are trying to encircle it and to cut uh, Ukrainian troops from resources. Uh, Russians, the Russians are attacking from three directions uh, using various tactics, from shelling to infantry assaults. Uh, and um, as of now, we can say that uh, they half encircled the city, but Ukrainians uh keep the defense of the city so the situation remains controllable. Uh, talking about the various tactics of attacks, uh, Russians are even using informational information attacks. Uh, and uh, it's not a big news that Russians are creating fake videos or spreading fake news about uh, developments on the front lines. But Avdivka sector has become a special... Uh, a special area of uh, information warfare. Uh, so the Russians created another fake video. Uh, they recorded in the Avdivka area, and uh, they um, disguised themselves as defenders of Ukraine and pretending to be Ukrainian soldiers from the 110th separate mechanized brigade. Um, they recorded a video where they were complaining about the situation around the city, when they were where they were complaining about the Ukrainian command, so-called senseless assaults and shortage of ammunition. Uh, luckily, this fake video was uh, quickly debunked. Uh, so it is important to emphasize that uh, such um, fake videos are no more than uh, the attempt to destabilize situation and to create the false impression of uh, the catastrophe among the Ukrainian military and their um, disappointment and dissatisfaction. Uh, so it's no more than uh, a part of information warfare. And uh, talking about um, Russian tactics and methods of waging war, uh, I can't but um, need uh, to mention uh, the brutal attacks on Ukrainian cities again. It happens um, every week and it's important to talk about these events. So on the night of um, the 5th of no November, uh, Poltava Oblast was under missile attack and Russians hit several residential buildings and uh, lots of um, civilian Ukrainians were wounded. A big, massive attack took place uh, in Odessa on the 5th of November. And uh, this time, Russians using, mm, using ballistic missiles hit the central area of the city uh, and damaged, damaged six uh, sites, six historical sites that are included in the UNESCO World, World Heritage List. And the uh, National Art Museum is among uh, these uh, sites that were heavily damaged. And uh, 33 resi residential buildings were also heavily damaged uh, under that attack. And more than eight uh, people were wounded. And uh, several days ago, 
uh, Russians uh, again shocked the whole world by uh, their cynical attack on uh, global food security. Uh, so um, Ukraine has established the temporary corridor for grain exports uh, after Russia uh, withdrew from the grain deal. Uh, so uh, Russians keep taking all the efforts to uh, stop the uh, the operation of this corridor and put under uh, the risk the um, operation of port infrastructure as well as the vessels that are entering uh, the ports of Odessa. So on the 8th of November in the evening, Russians uh, hit uh, the vessel uh, which was entering the Odessa port uh, and uh, unfortunately uh, one person died and several members of crew uh, foreigners who were foreigners they were wounded uh, so we see that um, russians use all the methods and violate all the rules and laws uh, to manipulate to uh, to bring more chaos to the world order and of course if uh, talk about a uh, more practical level uh, keeps playing hunger games um, but dasha how did ukraine respond to the enemy well nastya yes it's uh, very heartbreaking and hitting the hard news uh, knowing that uh, every day our colleagues our relatives are under this constant uh, um, barrages and attacks by by russia um, nevertheless, uh, Ukrainian armed forces keep their spirits high and um, Ukraine becomes the first country in history to destroy an enemy missile ship before it has even left the shipyard. Although the Askold uh, Russian cruise missile carrier remained afloat, uh, Skalp EG missiles severely damaged it. In addition to the fact uh, of the bare destruction of the Russian missile ship, it is even more important to know the conditions under which it happened. A confirmation of the actual uh, destruction in the temporarily occupied carriage means not only that Russia has lost another and the latest carrier of Calibre and Onyx cruise missiles, but as Analytic Center Defense Express stated, the fact is that the Zaliv plant, which should be under the umbrella of air defense systems that ensure the defense of the uh, Crimean bridge is an extremely important target. The Russian Federation has repeatedly declared that the best available air defense capabilities such as um, S-400, Panzer S-1 surface-to-air missile systems are responsible for the air defense of this facility and that it was supposed to be covered by older OSA and BUG system. And all of these, uh, in, in cooperation with, um, let's say, electronic warfare systems. And every day, the uh, Ukrainian armed forces learn more about repelling various types of Russian weaponry. For example, recently, uh, the Ukrainian defense forces have destroyed a rather rare target with the help of drones, that is, a Russian TOR anti-aircraft missile system. In less than a month, the Ukrainians uh, destroyed a large, uh, I, I would say a record number of six units of uh, Russian TOS-1A, Solnsepek uh, heavy systems. 
Um, and now let's focus on the biggest diplomatic development of this week, uh, European Commission decision on uh, recommending to start negotiations with Ukraine. Indeed, last week was marked by a historic event on Ukraine's EU integration path. So uh, the European Commission indeed recommended to open accession talks with Ukraine and Moldova. And uh, it means, uh, and according to the report, Ukraine has already implemented 90% of necessary reforms. Uh, so uh, it is a huge step forward uh, to the Ukraine's membership in the EU. And uh, now um, the, the, the next step which should be taken is uh, getting the final approval, final decision by the EU member states. So if this political decision is taken, then the technical process is going to start. And uh, the European Council meeting... Uh, which, uh, like, the, this decision, this approval should take place at the European Council meeting. And uh, the European Commission has, what, what is important here, that the European Commission has developed a unique accelerated accession procedure for Ukraine. Uh, so it provides preparation for technical issues of accession negotiations simultaneously with political ones. Uh, Taking into account how uh, long and complicated the whole process of approval and uh, mm, like the sectoral negotiations are, uh, the decision to uh, launch two processes, political and technical, uh, simultaneously uh, means a lot. Uh, so the preparation of the negotiation framework and the screening of legislation will begin as early as uh, December, as uh, in December uh, 2023. Uh, talking about the importance of this event, uh, it is necessary to emphasize that for Ukraine, um, the membership in the European Union is not only about economy. And it's not only about the political union. It has become the issue of security. And it's not about the uh, dimension of weapon or uh, practical hard security issues. Here we, we are talking about more profound issues. Uh, it's about ideas and it's about values and it's about unity. But such things, they can also be a reflection of, not only reflection, but the whole embodiment of security. Uh, so, um, Ukraine has become one step closer to the EU. And when Ukraine is there, when Ukraine uh, becomes a part of the single Europe, it means that, uh, that the European countries, the member states, they have not just a neighbor, uh, Ukraine, uh, Ukraine as a neighbor, it means that Ukraine is a part of the family. And it means that Ukraine shares the same values, the same system, and the same paradigm. And uh, it is extremely important exactly in the terms of security. Uh, so this political step to take Ukraine to the EU means that Europe is single, Europe is united. And even though the Russian threat is um, as acute as never before, uh, Europe is ready to acknowledge uh, that its borders are uh, that are lies on the eastern border of Ukraine, 
uh, and it has a huge symbolic meaning. And it's the case where this symbolic meaning means real security. And uh, keeping our discussion about the international dimension, Dasha, what are the news from the USA regarding the aid package for Ukraine vote? Yes, basically Democrats in the US Senate have blocked the Republicans' bill to provide aid uh, to Israel separately from Ukraine. And uh, basically the assumptions I want to share here are based on um, our talks with experts and uh, other analytical briefs that um, happened to to me. Basically, given that this is an election year, we should do what diplomacy of a partner state uh, does during elections. That is, uh, make ambassadorial visits to all campaign headquarters, communicating and supporting a functioning of American de- democracy. We also need to be more pragmatic, show how mutual cooperation can be beneficial. And we must remember that Republicans differ within the party, and uh, sometimes we might witness awkward decisions. Otherwise, we are trapped in what Schelling once called night in which all cows are black, Although some decisions might be perceived um, not as a challenge, but I would say as an opportunity. For example, let's recall how McCarthy launched groups to monitor Ukraine's uh, spending of um, American aid. But it has now turned out to be a boon for Ukraine, demonstrating how effectively we use American weapons and manage to, to... use funding properly. The fact that uh, so-called open letters and uh, harsher rhetoric are appearing is actually an election game that cannot be avoided. So um, if posing the question, will the Gingrich revolution, that is Republican Party's success in 1994, repeat? Well, basically, we have doubts, but we must remember that this uh, election process is harsh and we we, we have to withstand it. And now from political ecology to natural, um, environmental crimes are among the many transgressions committed by Russians. And we have some disturbing news on that matter, right? Unfortunately, that's true. Uh, The Ministry of Environmental Protection and Natural Resources of Ukraine reported that the Russians destroyed the entire protected area of the Jagarlik National Nature Park, uh, which is located in the occupied part of uh, Kherson Oblast. So here we are talking about 1,588 hectares of protected area. It's a steep area of the na- na- uh, of this uh, national nature park, and the habitats of species of flora and fauna that um, are listed in the Red Book of Ukraine and the European Red List of Endangered Species of Animals and Plants on a global scale, they were damaged. Uh, so it, it's a huge loss, not only uh, for Ukraine and for local ecosystem. It is a huge loss for the entire uh, ecosystem. And um, as of now, we even cannot talk about the consequences uh, of uh, in extinction of that many uh, species of animals and plants. Uh, so uh, these crimes, environmental crimes, they have long-term consequences and uh, the future generations will have to face the the outcomes, the consequences, unfortunately. 
And uh, by the way, uh, not only Jagarlik National uh, Nature Park suffered from Russian activities. Uh, the uh, Russian Occupation Administration in, in the Kherson region also plans to steal animals from the unique reserve Askania Nova. It is indeed a u- unique place where the uh, y- unique um, type species of animals um, lived in a natural, uh, natural environment. And they are protected by law, but uh, Russians do not care about that, and they just want to steal these animals from there. Um, and Russians are committing different kind kinds of environmental crimes, and they are taking different kinds of actions that lead to such disastrous consequences. Here we talk about deliberate killing of animals, for example. So Russian military, they just... Uh, kill endangered species uh, of animals just for fun. Uh, so so uh, a big scale of um, damages are also results of combat actions. Uh, if we talk about the occupied territories where there are no combat actions, um, Russians do not properly care about uh, the protected areas. Uh, pollution caused by war and m- including mining pollution also negatively affects the natural uh, natural areas. And uh, here we talk not only about protected areas, but about uh, environment in general. Uh, so according to the ministry, as a result of Russian aggression, 812 objects of the Nature Reserve Fund Uh, have been affected, and uh, 514 objects of the Nature Reserve Fund uh, remains occupied. Uh, We also need to mention the damage to the Emerald Network. So 2.9 million hectares of the territories of the Emerald Network, um, uh, they are under the threat of destruction. And uh, in addition, there are 17 wetlands of international uh, importance. Uh, They are in the risk zone. And these wetlands, they are protected by the Ramsar Convention. Uh, They have this status because of their unique biodiversity. So the whole 17 objects, 17 wetlands are in the risk zone. Uh, so when we are talking about the uh, crimes that Russians have been committing, uh, it's like the whole scope of crimes. They are torturing people, uh, destroying civil civilian infrastructure objects, using brutal methods of waging war, uh, deporting children, but they are also killing our nature. Uh, and this... Like we we need a strong reaction to all these crimes, and uh, Russia should be held responsible for all these crimes. These are all news for today, and thank you for listening to us. Mm-hmm.